Well, beloved, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, turn with me uh, for the last time, for the time being, to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I say it most weeks, it's been a wonderful journey through this epistle, and indeed it has, as God's Word is sweet and important to our ears and to our hearts. Um, It's been good to work through this letter at length together, and this morning we'll be focusing on verses 19 through 23 as Paul comes to conclusion. 1 Corinthians 16, 19 through 23. Here now the holy and the inspired and errant and infallible word of God, written for you and for me today. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, the salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, beloved in Christ, biblical churches that are grounded in Christ and his gospel, that are grounded in the doctrines and the commands of God and the scriptures, seeking to live rightly in accordance with his law, are really what are of important view and focus for us today. And praise God that we here at Heritage have such grounding. Praise God that imperfect as we are, as a body of redeemed sinners gathered together by the Lord Jesus Christ, we hear and read his word and we don't recoil from it, but rather we praise God for it. We pour through the pages of scripture and study and and, and receive the word knowing how it pierces our hearts how it challenges and corrects us, knowing its instruction, its encouragement, its, its comfort. And we welcome all of it and all of its work in and by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. As the Apostle Paul ministered to the church in Corinth, as he taught them many things in the Word, he encouraged them in the things they were doing well and that they needed to keep on doing. He also corrected and rebuked them for many things that they needed to stop and to repent of, to turn from, as well as what they needed to start doing and then maintain an ongoing practice. Of the many details that Paul communicated in this letter, what did he want to leave them with? He commended and commanded them and all of God's people to have four things in our minds that are evident in our lives. Four things. Watchfulness, steadfastness, bravery, and love. 
watchfulness, steadfastness, bravery, and love. Beloved, we all need to watch every day. We need to be alert and on guard. We need to stay focused on keeping the evil out and preserving the purity within the church. And as we watch, we must also stand our ground in the face of the enemy. Paul taught us that we stand on the truth of Scripture, refusing to give in or to give way to the wisdom of the world or to be further corrupted by it. And yet maintaining such a strong watch and and a stand requires courage and strength. And so Paul calls all Christians everywhere to act like men. To act like men in having a firm resolve to stand in brave opposition to those who would divide and those who would be uh, seeking to turn us away from Christ. Those who would be against Christ and His people. And all of these things must have the integral support of the undergirding of love. We've seen week after week, and we've been blessed, have we not? As we've seen Paul lay out and detail the wonderful multifaceted picture of what love is and how it's really important in every area of life. And even here, Paul is emphasizing in these things, it must be undergirded with love. For love heals divisions and factions and preserves unity and purity and peace in the church. But Paul also impressed the great value of having devotion in carrying out ministry, didn't he? As well as the body that those who are ministering uh, to uh, would not resist or ignore, uh, but would submit to their biblical leadership and service. The Corinthians were blessed to have Stephanus to show such devotion in their midst. And in fact, Paul and the congregation had all been refreshed by the ministry not only of Stephanus as a probable deacon, that's what he likely served as, but also, also Fortunatus and Achaicus, praise the Lord. The Lord had raised up many men to serve in their midst and to be a blessing to them, a refreshment to them. And all of this being true, Paul now concludes his letter with what? With greetings and farewell. Typical Pauline fashion. A salutation at the end, greetings at the beginning, a set of greetings at the end with his benediction. And so let's consider the hearty greetings from Paul and the saints in verses 19 through 21, his strong words about those who don't love the Lord in verse 22, as well as his extension of grace and love in Christ in verse 23. If you look with me, beginning in verse 19, he begins to lay out these many greetings from saints. He says, the churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Now, we've considered this before, but remember that greetings are good and helpful for the people of God. They speak to our relationships and our spirit-wrought fellowship. It is good, beloved, to be the giver of greetings. It's also good and encouraging to be the receiver of them. 
We are all a part of the body of Christ. We are members of this local body, and this local body is a part of the broader body. Even considering other churches in other geographic regions around the world. Never forget, beloved, that greetings help foster and maintain connection in our broader fellowship. They really do. And in fact, this practice is carried out in modern times, isn't it? It wasn't just a biblical practice in biblical times. You're writing or talking to someone and a friend or a loved one is with you as you're doing that and they ask, who are you talking to? Right? Or who are you writing? And you tell them who it is. And they then say, oh, well, tell them I say hello. Give them our love. Or, cool, that's great, I'm glad you're writing that. Give my love and tell them about fill in the blank. And see that this is where Paul begins as he ends this letter. Greetings from the churches in Asia. Now notice, Paul doesn't start with greetings from one person, and that would have been fine if he did. But rather, he begins with church-to-church greetings. Brothers and sisters in one congregation, being thoughtful and mindful of another, as well as then taking that mindfulness forward to being intentional about telling Paul to pass on their greetings to Corinth the next time that Paul would communicate with them. And we see epistle after epistle in Scripture how Paul was glad to do that. It wasn't just to uh, be a benefit to the one who was sending the greeting. Sure, I'll be happy to do that for you. But no, there was a greater benefit, not only for the person who was the giver, but also those who were the receivers. Beloved, we need to be mindful and intentional with this practice as well. Being part of a presbytery, as Presbyterians, this makes extending greetings to other sister churches through their minister or elder who are present at the meeting easier. Right? We have the report of the churches at the beginning. We hear their health. We hear their status. Uh, oftentimes, the elder or the minister who stands up front, he'll say, fathers and brothers, greetings from such and such a church. But even if we didn't have that opportunity, we should still have this practice. Now, which congregations were of the churches in Asia that Paul refers to? Well, these were the churches in Asia Minor, okay, present-day Turkey, which included the seven churches that Jesus addressed by letters in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. The church in Ephesus, the church in Smyrna, the church in Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Tyre, and Laodicea. And of these churches, Paul was likely referring to the church in Ephesus also primarily as it was the most important city in the Roman province of Asia. And so in addition to these churches in Asia sending their greetings to Corinth, who else sends their greetings? Well, Aquila and Priscilla, Paul says. And now, who are they, and, and why mention Aquila and Priscilla in addition to the church specifically? Were they connected in some way beyond being fellow believers in Christ? Yes. 
And we find evidence of their valuable ministry in several places in Scripture. One of specific significance here is their time in both Corinth and Ephesus. Their time in both Corinth and Ephesus. Let's take a few moments and get to know who Aquila and Priscilla were and their significance. They were Jewish Christians who were a couple who met Paul when he was in Corinth. They became good friends with Paul and actually quite involved in supporting Paul in his ministry. Paul speaks of their first meeting in Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18, you can turn with me there if you'd like, beginning in verse 1. We'll look at verses 1 and 2a here briefly. In verse 1 we read, After these things Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Now that's interesting. Why did Aquila and Priscilla relocate to Corinth from Italy? Well, Paul says in 2b that they came because Claudius, who was the emperor of Rome, he commanded that all Jews depart from Rome. He kicked them all out. And in fact, in 49 AD, Claudius reportedly kicked out all of the Jews uh, from Rome because there was a disturbance among the Jews over a man named Christus, which undoubtedly referred to Christ. Beloved, the Jews were upset because the Jewish Christians were preaching Jesus to be the Messiah. And so Paul here lived and he worked with Priscilla and Aquila in their tent-making business while they were there in Corinth. And Priscilla and Aquila knew the saints in Corinth. They loved the saints, and they were with and among them for almost two years. And Paul shows us a brief glimpse of the depth of their relationship in Aquila and Priscilla's hearty greeting in the Lord. And we see this connection here in several places as we continue through these final verses in this text. Paul's love is to them in Christ Jesus. Their greetings are heartily to them in the Lord. It is a connection that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so then we find that uh, Paul then took Aquila and Priscilla with him when he moved on to Ephesus. From Corinth. And while there, the couple started a church in their house. Now, in thinking about this church, remember that the early Christians didn't have uh, dedicated church buildings to meet in. And so they met for worship and fellowship in homes that were large enough to accommodate larger groups of people. And Aquila and Priscilla had such a home. They obviously shared their stories of time and experience with the Corinthians. In Ephesus, to the Ephesians, they shared their time and their stories about their fellow brothers in Christ in this other city. And we see that to be true as what else was true in the greetings? The church sent greetings to them. They weren't just friends and close brothers and sisters with Aquila and Priscilla, but they also were invested and known by the church, even if it was remotely, even if they hadn't been face-to-face, they had heard all about them. 
And as they had that sweet connection and bond of fellowship in the Spirit, the church desired to send greetings as well, and they made sure that Paul knew that. Similar to Stephanus, this couple, Aquila and Priscilla, also uh, showed themselves to be devoted in ministry. We see this continuity of that theme as well. Devotion in ministry here, as they were blessed by Paul's ministry. We also learn in Acts 18, verses 24 through 26, that they helped sharpen Apollos when he came preaching Christ in Ephesus. We read in verse 24, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. And so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And so Aquila and Priscilla send greetings to Corinth through Paul. And in Romans 16, notice that we find Paul sending greetings back to them as they had returned to Rome sometime after Claudius had died, which is around 54 AD is when he died. But they had returned to Rome at some point in time after that. And Paul sends them greetings. In Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 3, Paul says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So see this pattern, this theme, not only greet individuals, but greet the whole church. Greet the people of God. But then notice in 1 Corinthians 16 that Paul goes on to give the Corinthians even broader greetings. Beginning in verse 20, he says, All the brethren greet you, even from the churches outside of Asia Minor. All the churches greet you. Greet one another, he says, with a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand, Paul's. So the church received greetings, and there were also to be, they were also to be in the practice of greeting each other with a holy kiss. In fact, the Apostle Peter refers to such a kiss as the kiss of love in 1 Peter 5.14. This kiss was a normal greeting in biblical times in the early church. It was a, a token of love and friendship that represented the special relationship of brothers and sisters in Christ. It was maybe like akin to being a handshake or a hug today. And yet, as the Corinthian body was so divided and going after each other, you can imagine how this instruction may have been received. Carrying this out undoubtedly would have been viewed by some as a challenge. Okay, fine, greetings, but wait a minute, uh, a kiss? I don't know if I'm ready for that, right? Indeed, godly reconciliation and love would need to occur. And we remember that Paul had just said, do all of these things, watch, be steadfast, be brave. 
but do it all, do everything that you do in love. They knew that they needed to repair relationships. He's already spoken to them about these things in this letter. And indeed, that would need to happen. Such repair would need to happen for the expression of love in this way to flow in sincerity. One person was going to have to pursue another to make it happen. They were going to have to get over themselves. They were going to have to sort through these things again with the love of Christ. But now when Paul says the salutation was with his own hand, he clearly wanted the saints to know that though the letter up to this point had physically been written by an amanuensis, an amanuensis is a secretary or a trained scribe in those days, and they would write as Paul dictated the words to them. These few verses here of greetings, especially his own, were written by his own hand. This was personal salutation, and they needed to know that. He wanted them to know that. It was an expression of his love to them. But then Paul takes a moment to give a warning. Look at verse 22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. Beloved, Paul doesn't mince words here, does he? He doesn't soft step how those who hate Jesus must be looked at and dealt with. But positively, we see the contrast of Paul's words being the wonderful and the beautiful reality for those who love Jesus is that we are blessed by the riches of his grace and eternal life, that great and marvelous and grand inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. My friends, Paul's fervent desire was that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. If I were to ask each of you to write down one good reason not to love the Lord Jesus Christ, what would you write? Could you write anything? Can you give one good reason as to why you shouldn't sincerely love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength? Beloved, the heart of the gospel is Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ transforms sinners from hating Him to loving Him. In fact, Paul closed his letter to the Ephesians with these words in, in Ephesians 6.24. Grace be with, notice who, all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Amen. And indeed, we can agree with Paul, amen and amen. Praise the Lord for his work in his people. Loving the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, being key there. And yet Paul rightly gives this strong warning to the Corinthians and a rebuke of their sinful behavior. There are serious consequences for not loving Christ, he's saying here. He warns them to not be led away from the simplicity of the gospel. This has been from chapter 1. It's all coming together here in one statement, powerfully. He warns them to not be a lay, uh, led away 
by the, and not to be led away from the simplicity of the gospel or the doctrines that he taught about them and about their walk with God. To be led away to some other by someone who was a fake, who was a pretender, who was some wise man of the world who would try to twist and make a mockery of the truth. Indeed, those who would do such don't love Christ. They despised him. If the Corinthians were to listen to their seduction, they would be in danger of apostatizing from Christ. And that was the serious endpoint picture here. Anyone who did such a thing was to be accursed, he said. Paul says this in detail to the churches in Galatia, in Galatians 1, 6-9, when he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. For there are some who trouble you and even want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Literally, let him be anathema. Beloved, the accursed one was to be looked at as detested and abominable. If one was found to be an apostate, they were to be treated like the sexually immoral man in chapter 5. And they were to be removed from the flock by the use of the office of the keys and the, the final disciplinary measure of excommunication. Matthew Henry said this, I think it helps. That very Lord, whom they do not love, to whom they are inwardly and really disaffected, whatever outward profession they make, is coming to execute judgment. And to be exposed to his wrath, to be divided to his left hand, to be condemned by him, how dreadful. Indeed, how dreadful. And yet, whereas anathema is pronounced on those who do not love Christ, see Paul's exclamation as one who sincerely loves Jesus. He says, Maranatha! O Lord, come! Maranatha is a transliteration of two Aramaic words that mean exactly that put together. O Lord, come! What wonderful words! for the blessed lovers of Christ to proclaim. Indeed, we eagerly wait his return with hope and anticipation. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.8, Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have what? Who have loved his appearing. The beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ love Christ and we love his appearing. We seek it. We desire it. 
And so as Paul began this letter by pronouncing divine grace upon the saints in his salutation, he now closes with a benediction. And he pronounces the same in it. Look at verse 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul, in essence, pronounced the Lord Jesus favor you and bless you with every spiritual blessing. The body needed to know, and we need to know, that the love and the favor of God is with us. And also, considering all of the correction and the rebuke that Paul gave the congregation throughout this letter, they also needed to know the sincere love of their pastor. Sometimes the pastor needs to bring the rod of correction. Sometimes the elders of the church are involved in discipline to help and to chasten, to grow and to sharpen believers, those who are in the fold. And sometimes that sharpening hurts. It often hurts. The chastening of God is not comfortable. Scripture teaches us that. But yet it is good, it is important, it is right. It is for our good and for our growth and sanctification and edification. We need it, we desire it, though it hurts. And although Paul had been given much to them in that regard, in this letter, he wanted them to know the love of their pastor. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. And this is how he ends. Well, beloved, as you hear these words of Paul, may you be moved and encouraged by these expressions of Christian love. We all need regular reminders to be like Aquila and Priscilla, to be like Ephesus in reaching out beyond ourselves and those that we see face to face. And so may you and your family, may we as a body, be thoughtful and consistent and intentional in our practice of extending kind greetings to others in the family of God, even to other churches. But I also want to encourage you to hear the dreadful warning against those who don't love Jesus and consider your own heart. Jesus teaches us that the great line of division is between the sheep and the goats, Matthew 25. Those who love Christ and those who don't. And so ask yourself, does anathema apply to you or maranatha? Christian, Jesus bore your curse. He paid for your sins. He has brought you from death to life into the family of God by adoption. And you now long for His coming. We now long for His coming. But if you are sitting here as an unbeliever apart from Christ, know that your sin, know that the curse is still resting upon you. And so today is the day of salvation here. Hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Know the work of the Lord Jesus Christ for sinners. Trust in Him.
Repent of your sins. Turn from your sin and seek Christ. It is not too late. Do so. If you have eyes to see and ears to hear, if your heart is changed by the glorious gospel of Christ, do so. Flee to Him. Seek Him. Or He will justly appear as your condemning judge. But indeed, beloved, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.